Welcome back, podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. I appreciate you being here with us for another episode. My name is Jasmine Wonders, and I'm joined by RJ Rome, as always. We're so grateful for all of you that joined us in 2020, and we hope that that continues in 2021 as we have many more guests to come. But before I jump into the episode, if you don't mind, subscribe so you're notified when these episodes come out. And if you can, write us a review. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, so we have Angela today. Welcome back, Angela. It's been a while since we spoke. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's really lovely to speak to you again. I hear you have some, some cool things going on that you wanted to come back and share with us? I do. Yes, I do. I've been um, working with uh, a friend, another writer uh, called Kirsten McNeil, and together we've uh, put together a webinar called Confident Creatives. Um, It's going to be a six-week course for writers, um, and... Well, how it, how it started was we, we were talking, you know, that as well as being an author, I'm a physiotherapist and I'm a relaxation coach as well. Right. And um, Kirsten's also uh, she has a writing services agency. She does a lot of editing and copywriting and um, she does a lot of support for writers. And we got chatting and we realized that so many of our author friends are uh, talking about high stress levels, um, physical discomfort from um, writing and lack of confidence, sort of hitting a wall with writer's block or um, feeling imposter syndrome. Um, So we thought that, in fact, we really have a good skill set between the two of us uh, to design a course to help people. Um, I've got 40 years experience of working with performing artists and um, uh, other other artists, musicians, um, painters, dancers. And I think that writers fit into that category because we put our work out there and it's read and enjoyed but also judged by people and we desperately try and get something perfect out there so we put an awful lot of stress on ourselves so that's what the course is all about it's about well-being for writers it's about aligning uh, creativity with confidence so that we can unlock our full potential and really enjoy the journey rather than finding it so stressful what was the process like trying to create this course? Well, um, Kirsten uh, has a, a book out called Happiness Through Confidence, and she interviewed a number of uh, people and talked to them about how um, improving their self-worth and confidence had helped with their uh, general well-being. Um I work a lot with people on their well-being. As I look at their physical issues, I also work a lot with their well-being. 
So we got together and um, we started to design the webinar. So we went through the process, first of all, of thinking how to deliver it. And what we've decided to do is to deliver it in um, video modules accompanied by a workbook. And it'll run over six weeks um, and people will be able to join those and work through those videos with the workbook but supported by a Facebook group so Kirsten and I'll be present in the Facebook group um, there'll be interaction with the cohort um, so that we can um, share our ideas we can help people with questions but they can actually work at their own pace and then we'll finish the course with a Zoom session for everybody. We want to keep the cohort fairly small um, so that we can finish off then with a big question and answer session um, so that we're, we're hoping that uh, this allows people to work in uh, the easiest way for them, uh, you know, uh, come to the course at a time of day that suits them, work at their own pace, but still have easy access to um, both Kirsten and myself and the rest of the cohort. So that that's the thinking behind it. And how did you meet Kirsten? Well, uh, Kirsten's Canadian and and I'm in the UK. Um, and so we met we met on Instagram and uh, we started to talk in a little bit more depth. And uh, we've spent quite a few months now pulling our course material together. Um, we work together by Zoom. Um, and in fact, even if Kirsten had been in the UK because of the pandemic, we'd have had to work together on Zoom anyway. So we've just True. used the technology. And um, I love the fact that um, this, you know, the, the, the easy access conferencing technology and so on has made it possible to work easily with people from all over the place and draw on uh, different skills. So I, I think that's been a real joy, actually. So I don't know if you've seen my latest Instagram post, but this is actually exactly what I'm going through right now. I'm going through a really dark time with writing. Right. Um, and the only thing I can describe it as is it's just not fun anymore. And I'm major block. I'm blocked in a major way. Um, are there any yep. quick tips, relaxation tips? Because I'm ready to like not fully throw in the towel, but that's kind of where my head is stuck around and I'm not sure how I got to this place. And um, no matter how much I always say, you know, I don't believe in writer's block. I really do think that there's got there's something holding me back that I don't even understand what it is right now. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's really uh, what we're trying to look at over the different modules of the course. So one of the one of the things that I'm going to be focusing on is looking first of all at getting your body comfort uh, your your body feeling comfortable um and often when we're stressed we get blocked and our breathing gets blocked and our muscle tension gets high um and those stress chemicals are telling us to either fight or run or freeze and it sounds like getting stressed is actually your chemicals are telling you to freeze 
Um, so you're frozen in a state of heightened alertness because I'm sure that block isn't comfortable for you. It probably doesn't. It doesn't feel like you're frozen doing nothing chilled out. You're probably right. feeling frozen in a in a very heightened alert way. Um, and of course, back in the time when the types of stress we were facing were in the order of, um, you know, we we froze to hope that a predator wasn't going to find us um, we're not in those situations these days so what we want to do is bring those stress chemicals down um, and get our body comfortable getting our body comfortable and putting it back in a relaxed position is one of the ways we can do it so just a quick quick tip just something to start and as I say through the course over six weeks we've got hundreds of brilliant tips but just a way to start is if if you imagine um, just take your hands and pop them over at the front of your body where your rib cage meets. There's a sort of a there's a V shape where your breastbone finishes and your ribs carry on down a little bit further. And there's a little hollow between the bottom of your breastbone and and a V where those ribs finish. So just sort of above your abdomen. Can you find that little spot? Yep. So if if you if you pop both hands over it in a in a gentle cupped way and at first of all just focus your attention under your hands and feel the warmth under your hands there and think about it as um a therapeutic touch a comforting body touch and just just feel that to start with and then I want you to direct your breathing down to your hands so just take a breath in through your nose nice and easy and let the air just flow down until it gets underneath your palms there and feel that area just inflate a bit like a balloon so you're going to breathe in your rib cage is going to open that area is going to inflate and then you're going to breathe out and let the air flow out and feel the ribcage drop down and in. So I want you to really feel that comforting touch of your hand. That definitely like takes practice. And, <laughs> it's like hard yeah, to focus. Just yeah, because we're we're on a call anyway, so we're not in we're not you know necessarily in the right place for it. But if you can just take that little moment, even if you can feel your hand on your abdomen there. And just think that it's a compassionate touch there and try and breathe into that hand. Just let the air flow in and out for a couple of breaths, a couple of deep breaths, nice and easy. Now, just starting that gentle breathing process regularly, every hour, just two or three breaths, that little compassionate touch and the breath is going to start to take those stress body chemicals down so that'll allow you a glimmer of hope to get out of the place where you feel frozen you know because you've got fight flight and freeze so out of that frozen place bring the adrenaline shock down and then there are lots of nice little writing exercises that can help you get out of that dark place as well so I think um, it's very it's very useful to use other people's words so if you take a story that you know and love 
get the page, put a piece of tracing paper over, just underline for yourself the words on the page that are strong, that stand out for you. So take the words and put them on a blank sheet of paper in the approximate place that they are in the text that you love. Look at those words for a moment and just write in between them. Just join them, free flow with your own words. And already you're starting to write. And although it may not be the project that you're aiming for, it's just getting the writing flowing again. And that to take yourself off the project that you're aiming at and just write can really help to unblock things. So let go of the, fro you know, acknowledge that you're frozen, do some breathing, start to relax, allow yourself to come out of that frozen state and then do some some of the simple writing exercises. That one's just one, but Kirsten's got loads to offer you to just get that writing flow going again. I definitely think you hit it the nail on the head for sure. Uh, stress level has definitely been up. Yeah. Don't know really why. Yeah. I, it's just a culmination of personal and personal life and writing life merged together. Plus yep. there's a lot of back, you know, noise in the background in the writing world. And yep. it really starts to overwhelm and make you feel inadequate. I think the other thing that we have to count in is that everybody, regardless of whether they're a writer or not, the uncertainty and the political difficulties and the health uncertainty and the employment uncertainty of this pandemic has mm -hmm. added a standing order off our body's reserves, you know, of maybe 15, 20 percent that wasn't there before the pandemic. So we all have a bit less to spend than usual. We all have a bit lower tolerance than usual. And I think if if we're trying to, to push through and keep going and be creative and be productive and also assume all the other stuff that goes with the world emergency state at the moment, I think we're asking a lot. And I think what happens is if we're a good coper, we just take for granted we're going to cope. And it doesn't matter how good a coper we are. If we get too many packs on our back, we, we just can't sink. We're going to we can't swim. We're going to start sinking. So I think maybe we also haven't cut ourselves enough slack and acknowledged that we are all dealing with a very difficult situation. But I think absolutely I think any any world where you're putting out a creative product for other people to look at and judge, there comes a moment when we can feel insecure. But I think the thing we need to remember is whatever we're writing, somebody out there needs to hear what we're writing. And, you know, it, it's there is someone out there who will pick that piece of writing up. It'll hit a chord with them. And it'll just save them from a moment when they're sinking. So I think if we're writing with honesty and integrity, what we're really feeling, um, the judgment of other people, we we can take it. We can look at it and we may take some of it on board to help us improve. But I think we can let some of the harsh critiques go 
because I genuinely believe that whatever we're putting out there, there is someone out there who needs to hear that message. From what you're hearing, what's one of the biggest pain points for a writer? I think that uh, what, what I'm hearing, um, well, there are a couple. Uh, one of them is getting locked into the boom and bust cycle so that they go nuts. They they hit a they hit a, um, you know, a, a good patch and they write too much. They don't take enough breaks. They don't feed themselves well. They don't exercise. They maybe work late into the night, don't get enough sleep. So they boom and then they go bust because it all goes crash because they exhaust themselves and they go through these repetitive boom and bust cycles. Um, and uh, I, I think that's there's almost a kind of a, a, a terror that if if the create if the creativity's flowing, then at all costs, it's got to, you know, you've got to write, 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 write. And sometimes we put under artificial deadline pressure by agents or by uh, deadlines we've created. So um, and I think as well, um, we seize opportunities to do things um, and maybe we overload ourselves. So I think there's that that happens with with writers. Um, I think as well, writers can get very uncomfortable physically and that can start to impede the creative process. So if they're working on a laptop in a bad position, um, cramped, don't have good light, don't remember to do stretches and a little bit of exercise to make their body feel good, then actually the brain starts to feel that the writing process is uncomfortable and it starts to get logged as an uncomfortable, difficult process as opposed to a flowing creative process. And again, you get into a bit of a, a cycle that gets that gets created. So I think there I think there are a couple of things. And I think, look, I think it's tough editing. We we have full of enthusiasm for our first draft and we send it off or we, we tighten it up ourselves. Second draft. So already we've been through it a second time. Then somebody external looks at it and they come back with a whole load of ideas, hopefully. But depending on how they present those ideas, it can be a bit deflating. Mm. And then you've got to go back and do it again. And I don't think I think that tenacity to stick with that project and hone it and shape it when the initial flush of creativity has sort of gone by mm -hmm. is really difficult. And I think maybe we, you know, as as writers, it's tough. And I don't think we acknowledge how tough it is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there we are editing again and again and again and proofreading and whatever. And probably our heads going zing pop with loads of lovely other ideas that we'd like to get going on. Um, you know, we get distracted as well. So I, I think it's I think those things are, you know, they're difficult to manage. And that's part of what the course is about. It's about pacing ourselves. It's about having realistic expectations, but also keeping the fun in the writing by giving ourselves breaks, both physical and and mental and giving ourselves little writing breaks, little treats where we we do just write a little bit of micro fiction or have a bit of fun and read one of our stories out, out online or something. So it's a it's a process of working hard, being tenacious, but remembering to give ourselves little treats and little breaks and making the process fun. 
It's definitely a tedious process for sure. I think the last book I I just released, it, I probably went through it probably 15 times, 20 times. Yep. And yeah, yeah. It's definitely tedious. Definitely took a a hit to the, you know, internal yeah. <laughs> internal system. Yeah, I think so. But I think that's where your team comes in, your street team, and where you need a good team around you. So, yes, you need your your editor but you need your your beta um, readers as well. Um, you need your cheerleaders as well, the ones who pick you up on those bad days. And you can pick up the phone and go, oh, I'm a terrible writer. You know, no. I've looked at this book and it's terrible. Nobody's going to read it. And, you know, they're going to mop you up and give you a hot chocolate and tell you you're great and, and you know, and just tell you that, look they cried when they read this passage because it was so beautiful or you know another passage got them really fired up and motivated to do something and you need those people and you need to be able to pick up the phone and ask and you don't need to be afraid to ask because doing it yourself doesn't mean doing it alone you know it you have to have that street team I belong to a writers group um, and, you know, we all write and we share and and we critique and we support each other. Um, and that that Friday morning where I go in and I can say with my hand on my heart that at one stage or another, every single one of us has been in tears, laid over the desk going, I can't do this anymore. So I really think having that group and it doesn't matter where the group is. It can be a little Insta group that you get together where you support each other. It can be a local writers group. Um, it can be online. But you need to pull together those positive people who are there to support you and keep you going. And, you know, maybe a writer's a writing coach as well, because an editor's there to to get you to shape up and sharpen up. But sometimes you need a coach who reminds you why you're doing it and and how good you are and and gets you doing some confidence building stuff i think every writer needs a street team and you know if you're not making a fortune because you're starting on your career then you pull from other authors and you find that little street team who have got your right mentality and who've got your back and just burn the bridges the haters and the naysayers and the people who tell you it's never going to happen you want to leave them behind and burn those bridges really fast. Keep the positive people with you. Wait, it sounds like you just described Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> She's my street team. <laughs> you hear that, Jasmine? I hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. And do you know what? She's your street team at the moment because it's tough. And there'll be another time when it's tough for her and you'll be her street team. So I don't think we ever need to feel um, embarrassed or, you know, about needing help because that's just life. That's how it is. Sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we're strong. And it's good for us because when we're feeling like we need support, we're offering the opportunity to someone whose gift is to be supportive to exercise that gift. And if we never asked for support, we'd never let those people exercise the gift. So I think it's it's all part of the circle and we don't need to feel bad about having a, a, a dark time. I think it's part of life. Um, and yeah. 
and great that you have her behind you and she's got your back and I'm quite sure that you've got her back at other times. I think for me it's just having um, enough time to write, like where people, you're saying the boom and the burn, I'm feeling where I just don't have enough time to actually write. Yeah, yeah. So it makes me feel bad. Yeah, so, I mean, again, that, that's a, a that's a process of actually looking we've all only got 24 hours in a day um and one of the exercises we're going to do on the course is taking that 24 hours as a circle and dividing it up into slices of pie and having a look putting some headings in on our slice of of pie of things that are important you know family time to myself writing time job uh contribution to society whatever you want as your as your headings the things that are important to you in in life and then so the ideal is that they balance up that your slices of pie are even so if you have a look at your honest look at what your pie looks like and have a look at the slices that are big and the slices that are small And then start to take some positive action to either shrink the over large slices or increase the ones that are small. So if you want to increase your writing slice, you might need to look at your duties and responsibilities and see, well, can I delegate any of those? Like if I want to write, do I need someone who do I give out a bag of ironing once a week for somebody to do so that I don't have to do that or you know, would my partner do, make some meals for me? Or have I got a friend who's a great cook who'd do me some freezer meals so that when I need to write, I can just pull freezer meals and I don't have to cook? Um, it, it's looking at positive solutions to increase that slice of uh, increase that slice of pie. And I, I think it's really interesting to, to actually diary down how what what we spend time doing. Because it can be quite frightening to see how much time we spend scrolling on social media, for example. And I know as a writer, we need to be on social media. We need a presence. But sometimes we can look at maybe honing that down and having just a day a week where we schedule posts and then half an hour a day where we interact. And then we shut the phone off and we put it away and and we write. Maybe it's sitting down with the family and explaining to them how important it is that you have some time to write and asking them what they could do to help you to have that time. It, it, you know, it may be that you have to leave the house and go and sit in a friend's spare bedroom to have the time to write because in the house you don't get left alone. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got into the car and gone and parked in a beautiful spot and sat and written in the car because... The house is like manic and I can't write. So I think it's looking, it, it, it is actually looking at your 24-hour schedule and balancing it up and seeing where and not being frightened. <laughs> Feel you have a right to do your writing and have a chat to the people around you and find out, well, what can they do to support you in this? I think, or at least this is my thought, being a writer sometimes at the beginning of the journey you really don't know what it's going to what it's going to amount to later <laughs> on so you don't know yeah it, it's kind of one of those things that it's a journey you know it's one 
but you don't realize five, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years later what those difficulties are going to be like when you have the grind every day or every yeah. week or every month. What are your thoughts on that? I think a lot of people think like um, if they were going to do a little uh, board of what they think writers do, um, I think they're going to see them in a lovely little um, timber lodge or a, you know, uh, a summer house at the bottom of a gorgeous garden (laughs) with a stream running by (laughs) and they see them in bohemian clothes and trotting down to their shed and and just just writing beautiful things and thinking beautiful thoughts Mm -hmm. and then somehow that arrives into a wonderfully crafted book and hey presto it's on every supermarket shelf and every bookstore (laughs) shelf and i think that's what people think happens voila (laughs) a voila and they think that everybody who starts a writing career is going to be jk rowling Mm -hmm. um Mm. you know it's just like every entrepreneur thinks that they're going to be richard branson and you know and what they don't see is a you know a combination of things yes doing the hard work being tenacious, sometimes being selfish and, and crafting out, sometimes making sacrifices, you know, in order to write. Maybe I like me, for example, uh, in order to write, I don't do dog agility anymore because I can't do it all. Um, and so I had to let go some of the things I did, uh, you know, with with my dogs. And I also chose to take a drop in income on my physiotherapy side to create myself some space to write um but that involved a drop in income you know and i and i took that um and uh so I, you know i think that i i think it's really important to have this realistic view um and to understand that it's slow um and to try to, what can I say, to in, to enjoy it for what it is, but understand that it's a job, um, that that it, you know it it isn't just a hobby because to 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 achieve it effectively, the standard that's required to achieve it, um, if you want to publish and if you want to earn some money, um, then you're going to have to take courses. You're going to make mistakes you're going to make mistakes and those mistakes are going to have some noughts behind them. You know, I, until I really got my look and my brand on my first book and my, exactly the cover I wanted, I went through three different covers. I went through a dreadful formatter before I found a great one, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it took me two or three years really for my first book to be in the place that I wanted it to be in. But I've got friends who are fantastic, fantastic writers. They're not going to publish because actually they want their writing to be for fun. And, you know, it makes me weak because I'd love people to see that writing and to have the privilege that I've had to read it in writers group. But they're not going to publish because they don't want all that hassle. I know some people like that. (laughs) And and that's okay, I think, if that's what you want. But if you if you've already you know, and, and look, you still have the choice to choose to not publish again if you want to. Right. But that and maybe you're gonna have a pause. 
and maybe that pause will be six months while you just kick your heels up and go to spas and enjoy life for a little bit and then get back to it. Um, or maybe it'll be 10 years or 20 years and maybe it'll be when your kids are grown up and you have got a bit more space and there is nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a writer. Right. That's good to to hear. You know, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Your journey is your journey. Um, and look, my my kids are grown up and I'm in a position where I can take a little less income at the moment from from my main career. But 20 years ago, I couldn't have done that. Right. And that's so where I'm at now. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you have to look and say, well, this is where I'm at now and this is what I can do now. And it's important that I enjoy those other things. And maybe my writing, I'm pulling it back a little bit. Or as I said to you before, maybe you need to have a chat to your partner, have a look at your family, maybe talk to your parents and say, well, I really want to do this, but... I need some financial support or I need some childcare support. I just need someone to have the kids for me on a Saturday morning so I can write. And then I have to say, I'm pretty disciplined. If I have Friday morning to write and Wednesday morning to write, I get up, I put on the suit, I sit at the desk and I write, right. you know. Um, so I'm pretty tough about that. If someone says, do you fancy a coffee Friday morning? I say no, unfortunately, I've all, I'm already booked because I am, you know, I'm booked to sit and write my book. So, you know, so I think as well, it, it, again, it's, it's um, if you create some time for yourself, you've then got to be honest, you know, you've got to use it. And, right. you know, oh, my God, if the bedrooms aren't hoovered or dusted or whatever, <sighs> <laughs> something has to give somewhere. So and I think you need to choose the things that make you happy and, and make you comfortable and and come to an agreement with the people around you so that, you know, they're not putting pressure on you as well. Because it's really interesting, isn't it, that there are loads of people who are like, yeah, I'll be a writer. Yeah, you're great at it. Yeah, go for it. But then when you can't actually do things for them or they're kind of like, oh, <laughs> right. oh, so, this, you know, oh, so this writing business means that you're not available to iron my shirts for me or, or whatever it is. They're not quite so keen. Um, and, you know, so I think it's also coming to a negotiation with the people around you so that they understand what's involved how much you want to do it and see where you can compromise with the people around you to get the help you need. Great advice. And I think writing too, I mean, even though some people may look at it as a job or a business, it takes so much of you emotionally and mentally to write every single thing that you do. So it's, yeah. it's very personal. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, I mean, it is. Um, and, I think, again, that's the part that um, the, the, the actual um, creativity and, and the writing part and the emotional outpouring is is it's tiring. Um, and again, I, I think when people visualize the the writer in their in their lovely place writing, they don't see that it can 
can rack because often what what you're describing is something that is um, viscerally important to you. It's either something that you've experienced or you've seen other people experience or something that's incredibly important to you. And to write that vividly, you have to feel it. Um, and if you're going to feel it, then you you do pay the price of, of running that gambit of emotions. Um, and I think it's good to feel that. But as with my physio hat on, I think, again, it is possible to feel that, feel it for that period of time and then step away for a moment. So when I finish my writing, I spend two minutes. I do some deep breathing and I leave my writing space in my mind. So I just I I physically relax. I mentally relax. I clear my head. I give myself permission to go back into my life. And I do the same when I start my writing practice. So I sit for two minutes. I take a breath. I make sure I'm comfortable and I give myself permission to step into my writing world. Um, and I immerse myself in it completely, but I can take myself out of it as well. And I think that's a really useful discipline, you know, to 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 be able, to, you know, to be able to do. So unless I've actually spoken to my husband and said, you know what, I've got a deadline to meet. I'm going to be writing hard now for the next two weeks. Don't don't ask me to cook or clean or do any of those things. <laughs> I'm just off the planet um, and sometimes I may need to be physically off the planet as I say in my friend's spare room or you know take a little cottage up on the coast somewhere for a couple of weeks to just be selfishly right you know and it's not right. selfish it's being it's being self-determined it's saying I need this time um, but it you know if you live in a family or a community that's got to be agreed by everybody um, and I think it does cause a bit of friction sometimes. But then, you know, maybe they take their time every week to go and play football or, you know, they take their time to, you know, to watch the baseball every week or whatever it is they do. On the whole, we all need to take some time for ourselves. And But I just think it's a good thing and we can be comfortable if it's negotiated and agreed. Right. Yeah, sometimes it does feel selfish to lock myself away for a couple hours and, and write, but I see your point. Hmm. Yeah, if you negotiate it up front. Yeah, and I, I think you can negotiate with kids as well. You know, if you've got kids, <laughs> I think it's good for them to learn that, you know, sometimes you need time for your self and um i always used to say to to mine you know it's a learning curve when they're little they they don't it's not easy for them is it but as they get older you know they'd come in and they'd give it a go on interrupting and my thing always was do you need to go to the hospital are you on fire <laughs> no either of those okay well in which case we agreed that this was my writing time so Go and find yourself something that you can do by yourself um, and go and enjoy that time. Go and enjoy your space. I'm enjoying mine. There you go. And I think it's a useful skill for children to learn that, you know, and you can't overface them. 
you know, and and obviously you don't want to put them in a dangerous situation. I'm not advocating that. Of course, I'm not. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's it's I think it's a really useful skill for an age appropriate amount of give other people space. You know, it isn't OK always to step into people's space because, you know, they need to know that for, for their right. ongoing life. Well, I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old, so <laughs> wish me luck. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the I nine-year-olds, yeah, the nine-year-old's coming to a negotiable space. The four-year-old, yeah. well, you know, maybe you need to promise the nine-year-old a bit of pocket money to play something right. with the four-year-old and give <laughs> yes. you an hour. Or maybe there's a neighbor's teenager who's got pockets to let who'd like to come and amuse your two-year-old for you for a couple of hours for a few dollars and... So, yeah, I mean, look, you've got to look at what's possible for you with your current life. And look, there are times when it's just too busy and you can't, you know, right. like you know, we had we had a patch a while back where some of the older generation of the family were very ill, needed support, etc., etc. And it got to a point where I just had to say. I can't at the moment because other people's needs are pressing and they can't be delegated. And actually, I just got to put this on hold for a short time. And that's OK. You know, I knew I could pick it back up again and it was temporary. So I think any time that one of those pieces of pie gets big because it has to or because there's no other way around it, um, what you're doing then is you're just putting in place some strategies you're looking at how long this is going to be for and you're starting to craft in your mind some strategies to bring it back down again when the time's appropriate and you keep reviewing it um and you don't just get into the habit of not having writing time if there's something that needs to change then you sit and have your family discussion and you try and change it or you know if there's something that has to be you know has to give then you say, right, well, OK, I accept I'm going to give up my writing time for a short period. Now, when am I going to be able to get that back and how's that going to happen? And I think that's quite reasonable. So I have a question about kind of more so you, you're writing personally. Yeah, At, you're I know you're writing about a physiotherapist. Is, I am. is there something that in writing that? has made you view something maybe differently in your own personal practice? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting um, because she isn't me. Mm -hmm. um, it's allowed me to voice some of my ideas about healthcare and well-being that I think are important. And if anything, in writing about it, um, it's uh, it's deepened some of my convictions about the style of treatment and healthcare that I want to offer, because currently we're in a phase of uh, medical practice which is highly evidence-based, mm -hmm. and we've kind of, um, I think personally, that we've, I think evidence base is excellent. But I think in applying a scientific evidence base, we've got to be very careful that we don't um, abandon all the pastoral side of, of health, of the well-being part of health that's so important. 
So I don't think it's enough to just scientifically look at somebody's health. You've got to look at the whole person and you've got to look at their well-being. You've got to look at their needs. You've got to look at their mind-body balance and mind-body-spirit balance as well. I think probably the, the three layers. Um, and it makes me sad to see that we're losing time for that. Um, so I think it strengthened those convictions. And, and I think uh, so from that point of view, yeah, I think it's given I, I went through a period where I felt maybe I wasn't scientific enough. And actually, I think in writing this, I think I've come to the conclusion that, no, this is this is the type of therapist that I am. This is who I am. This is how I want. Uh, to treat people and and this is how I want people to be treated within the healthcare system so yeah I think if anything it strengthened my convictions because in writing it it felt correct to me so yeah so I think it helped me to get over a patch where I just wondered whether maybe I was old-fashioned or whatever in my practice but I don't think I am in I teach in a university so you know we keep up to date and my practice is evidence-based but I'm fighting hard to hold on to having time for people having a place to listen and not just applying protocols uh, to units I, I, I want to actually apply tailor-made treatments to individual people I don't want to apply protocols to patient units there. That's that's I guess that's it. Yeah. So what was the process like in re-releasing your book? Oh, well, that was really exciting, actually. Um, I had um, I decided that I wanted it to sit. Um, I having got to know a lot more authors through Instagram, social media and going to writers conferences and so on, I began to realise that the, um, that it, it had been put towards a romance category because there is a romance arc in it, but that actually it doesn't well sit in that category. It's more of a women's fiction book. It has more of a uh, lit literary element to it. So I decided I wanted to change the look and I talked to my cover designer and we decided on rather than a photorealistic cover, we decided we would go for a more art looking cover, more sort of watercolour looking cover. And she came up with some fantastic designs. And then a friend of mine who's an an author who spent days chewing her fingernails before she approached me to say your interior isn't up to the the writing in the book it needs more it needs to be formatted better she wanted to see some artwork inside the the book as well around the chapter headings uh, uh, motifs around the chapter headings and so on and that led me to think about branding and um, actually with a really great um, platform house publishing um, Becky who's a writer herself she got hold of my interior and made some suggestions and we came up with something um, that wasn't too flowery and twiddly because I wasn't very happy with that but she's come up with a, some lovely etched flowers my character's called Ellie Rose so she's come up with some beautiful etched flower motifs that, that go along the chapter headings 
And then I've carried that brand on through into my short story collection, Seasonal Produce. And um, we've carried that look through. So now I feel like I have a look that that I like for my books. And the author friend also had some good editing uh, remarks for me as well. So, again, slightly to start with, with a bit of a heavy heart. But once I got going, I could see that what she was saying was right. So I I did another edit. I hadn't looked at it in a, with an editing eye for a year. So it was great to actually get it out of the drawer and look at it with totally fresh eyes and kind of through the lens that she had offered me. And I really think I've got a product that I'm completely satisfied with now and I'm comfortable with my brand. And I bumped into a lovely designer. Um, she's an artist, uh, Carolyn uh, Carlin. And I asked her if she'd do some bookmarks for me. And I love creative people. They're so clever. Um, she just picked up the design on the dress of the girl on my book cover. She had a floral design dress and took that design and created it and made my bookmarks and my author car, uh, business cards for me. So I really feel I have a nice brand that sits well and I'm comfortable with. So it's been really exciting and sort of the, the icing on the cake, I think. Those bookmarks look beautiful, by the way. Oh, I love them. And it's so nice because if I give it, if I do, a, a, you know, a giveaway with my newsletter or I run a little competition or something on Facebook, I feel I have something really lovely and worthwhile having. Um, you know, I feel that about my paperback. Well, you know, all my books, but, you know, particularly if I give a paperback copy that's signed with a bookmark, I feel as I'm giving something that's really I'm proud to give so that's that's been lovely all right our last question has setting up this course held you back in writing any I well again we were talking about pacing pacing ourselves and um, so on so generally speaking no um, because uh, Kirsten and I gave ourselves a long lead into the course. We both knew that we had limited time to give to it. So we gave ourselves we've been we've been planning this for months. I mean, if I'd given everything else up, I probably could have put it together in two weeks. But, uh, you know, I, we gave ourselves months to do it. So it's been a, an ongoing um, project. In the last two weeks, I put my creative writing down in order to do all the details and, um, you know, to uh, to start, you know, because we've actually, you know, I've, I've launched a Facebook page today and um, I wanted to uh, make sure the workbook was completely right. And that's gone off to the formatter today. Um, so I gave myself a couple of weeks. Um, and but what I've done is I've promised myself a week off because um, I didn't use all my holiday last year and I'm going to give myself a writing week to just catch that back up. But I gave myself permission to do this. But it's been I felt it to be such an important project because, um, you know, getting getting involved with the writing community, I've been really um, it's upset me to see how many writers are struggling 
and I know I've got the transferable skills to um, to, to help them on the journey. And I think I've um, I've had enough of a writing journey myself now, um, both in indie publishing and traditional publishing, to to be able to see where they're coming from and and have some relevant advice to give on that side. And then clearly, you know, Kirsten's got a writing services agency, so she's got a lot of experience in that field, too. So we really both felt that we had the transferable skills to put something together that would help our writing colleagues to enjoy their journey, which is, you know, what we all want to do is in, enjoy our journey and also have some tools to dig ourselves out when we get into the pit. So, yeah. I think we felt it was important. Well, you've definitely put things into perspective for me today. Um, oh, if thank any you. other writers out there uh, would like to reach out to you, how do you suggest they, they reach out to you and Kristen? Right. Well, you can find us on um, Facebook. Um, I'm quite simply at Angela Cairns author and she's at writer Kirsten. And um, we have a Facebook page called Confident Creatives which is the title of the webinar. So, but you're very welcome to uh, DM us. Um, my website is uh, uk. You can contact me through the website as well. Um, but yeah, come and find us on Instagram. Come and find us on Facebook, either as um writing individuals or as confident creatives and we'll answer any questions that we can and you know hopefully um we'll see uh, lots of you on the the course to come and try out the webinar and see how much it can impact on your writing journey thank you so much for joining us today it was a pleasure to speak with you again oh it's been really good fun thank you so much and um yeah um just I think you produce some amazing podcasts, but I really wish for you to get back to enjoying your writing journey. Thank you. If you made it this far, you survived another episode of Married to My Writing. Stay tuned for our next episode with author Maria Ann Green. Until next time.